IRAs, 401ks, RMDs, the SECURE Act, the CARES Act. It's been one heck of a year. And we are going to handle all of those on this episode. Uh, we are so excited. We have got Denise Appleby. She is an expert in this arena, and she's going to answer all the questions that Merce and I throw at her. Now, you may have other questions, though, that you would like us to handle in the future. We would love to hear what those questions are. So please send us a text, and the text number is one 207 1753. If you send us a text and ask any question you want us to answer, we will try our best to cover it in future podcasts. But now we are super excited to bring to you our episode today with Denise Appleby. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stancil and Merce Tariq. Well, we are so excited today. Uh, Merce and I have been talking about this uh, interview here now for quite a few days. We have Denise Appleby. And Denise is somebody that I have been going to for years to get all the information that I need on IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, any kind of deferred type plan or tax type plan that uh, sometimes the rules are just changing so fast we can't keep up. And so uh, when I get into one of those scenarios where I just think, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do, I uh, go out and I talk to Denise Appleby. So Denise, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing your expertise with us. You're very welcome, Raiden. It's my pleasure. Hi to you both. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. So, Denise, could you just, for our listeners, can you just describe kind of big picture what it is that you do? Big picture, I help my clients, help their clients stay out of trouble with their retirement accounts. So the question becomes, who are my clients? My clients are people like you, financial advisors, uh, tax advisors, and, and, tax and, and legal professionals. Um, obviously you guys are very brilliant people, right? But it makes a difference when you specialize in an area. And that's what I do. I eat, sleep and drink this IRA stuff. So when a client is sitting in front of you and have that question, you have two choices. You can pull out that huge manual and take 10 hours to find the answer. Or you can call me and I give it to you in 30 seconds. And so I make sure that the answer you get is correct for your client to to make sure the transaction they do is correct. Very good. For everyone listening, we had a couple minutes to just chat with Denise before we actually went on air. And, you know, I had a question about IRAs and Ray and I were in this world and still there's certain things that we don't know. So like Denise was saying, you can either go read that big, publication by the IRS, that's everything IRAs, or you can have an expert uh, 
that can help answer any questions that you have. So I had a personal question and she answered it within a couple of seconds. So, um, but Denise, I want to ask you, you know, how do you, uh, in the world of IRAs, how did, how did you get to where you decided you wanted to become an expert in IRAs? Because, you know, that's not the most glamorous thing for some people. (laughs) Some people hate IRAs and knowing everything about them. We have to know about them because of our profession, but what made you decide to become an expert in them? Well, I I do love IRAs. I eat, sleep, and drink IRAs, and my friends call me an IRA nerd. Now, I I sort of fell into it. Um, I started working for a firm called Pershing, and believe it or not, the first day of work, I was supposed to be in the ACAT department. The IRA department was short-staffed, and they borrowed me, and I took to it like a, a fish to water, and so they never gave me back to the, the, the ACAT department. And because I loved it so much, I read everything I could get my hands on. Uh, people would start coming to me with questions when they needed the answers, and I became the Pershing in-house expert. And, um, you know, one day I decided that I wanted to start my own business and this was a good avenue for that. And so I, when I resigned from Pershing, luckily for me, Pershing became my first client. So that's how much Pershing trusted me. And, and that leads me to where we are today. Well, very good. Well, I know that, uh, you love and uh, eat, sleep, and drink IRAs because I have asked you so many questions. But let me let's just kind of dive in here. We're going to talk about two different things, uh, major topics, I guess today. Um, the first one is the Secure Act. Mm-hmm. Um, so, could you kind of give us again a high level of some of the things that were affected with you know these types of plans that we're talking about IRAs and four hundred one ks and those kind of things when it comes to the Secure Act? What are some of the major things that you find are like? high-level topics that we need to know about. Yeah, and, and you know, for people who are saying, well, what's the Secure Act? You probably remember most of last year, it was as if, you know, the, the sky's falling, the sky's falling when it comes to retirement accounts because one of the biggest stories that came out of 2019 was the death of the stretch, as some people call it, uh, because that's one of the changes that were made under the Secure Act. Uh, there, there were good things under the Secure Act and not so good things. Some of the good things were for those who are supposed to start taking required minimum distributions. As long as you did not reach age 17 and a half by December 31st, 2019, then your required beginning date was increased to age 72 as opposed to age 17 and a half for those who did reach age 17 and a half by December 31st, 2019. And another good change was the repeal of the age limitation on traditional IRA contributions. Now, you guys know that when it comes to making contributions to a Roth IRA, there is no income cap whatsoever. And so the question becomes, why was that still a rule in place for traditional IRAs? Now, luckily, the SECURE Act repealed that, so it doesn't matter what your age is, you can make a contribution to a traditional IRA as long as you have eligible compensation. Now, this rule, though, applies to contributions that are made for 2020 and after. Um, There is a new exception to the 10% early distribution penalty for qualified adoption expenses or for uh, uh, the birth of, of a child. So what am I talking about here? Um, if you take distributions from your retirement account, 
before you reach age 59 and a half, any portion of that distribution that is taxable is subject to a 10% additional tax. That's pretty steep, right? And most people are not uh, familiar with that. You think I go to my IRA custodian, I ask for a distribution of $100,000 from my traditional IRA, and I might say to them, withhold 10% for federal income tax. And you know you're going to owe income tax on that, federal, probably state, depending on where you live. But when, when your tax preparer files your tax return and they tell you you owe an additional 10% early distribution penalty, that usually comes at, at a, as a shock to most people because they don't know that if you take it before you reach age 59 and a half, it's subject to a 10% additional tax. But uh, there are some exceptions to that. And one new exception that was added is for distributions for qualified birth or, or adoption expenses. Um, that can be done from a 401k or an IRA, and it's $5,000 per participant. So those are some of the key changes. Those are some of the stuff that's good. Are you ready for me to talk about what's getting everybody so excited about the stretch IRA? Sure. Yeah. That, that was yeah. my question is you, you said it and then we kind of went away from it, but you said the death of the stretch IRA. And I think a lot of our clients, <clears throat> a lot of our clients, you know, they, they knew about the stretch IRA. They loved the idea of it. And so mm-hmm. tell us how it's changed now. Yes. So we know why everyone saves in a tax deferred retirement account, right? We didn't talk to talk earlier about uh, 401ks, pensions, 403Bs, et cetera. Why do we save in those retirement accounts? Because earnings are tax deferred. And so you get that compound effect of earning upon earnings. So that's available to retirement account owners. What happens when the retirement account owner dies? Guess what? Beneficiaries too are eligible for that tax deferred benefit, but to a limited extent. Now, before the SECURE Act went into effect, which for this is uh, this January 1st, 2020, before the SECURE Act went, to, went into effect, as long as you were classified as what is referred to as a designated beneficiary, which means that you are a person or a trust that meets certain requirements, then generally you could stretch distributions over your life expectancy. And for many, for many beneficiaries, this means keeping those assets in the account, allowing it to grow tax-deferred year over year, and only having to take beneficiary-required minimum distributions. But that's a pretty sweet deal, especially if the account is a Roth IRA, because with a Roth IRA, yeah, earnings grow tax-deferred, but they eventually become tax-free once the Roth IRA has been established for at least five years and another qualifying event uh, occurs, such as death of the retirement account owner. So here comes the SECURE Act now saying, hang on a second, that life expectancy distribution where you're allowed to stretch distributions over your life expectancy for year upon year, and let's say you inherit a retirement account and you were eligible to take distributions over a 50-year period. Assume, too, that you died 10 years into that, leaving 40 years. Guess what? The person who inherited that IRA from you was able to continue stretching distributions over the remaining 40-year period. That's why they call it the stretch IRA. It's more of a concept than a type of IRA. 
But the SECURE Act changes that for most beneficiaries. Under the SECURE Act, every individual who is a beneficiary must take distributions under what is referred to as the new 10-year rule, meaning that from year one through nine, distributions are optional, but you got to empty the account by the end of year 10. There are a few exceptions to that, though. Um, if the beneficiary is disabled, uh, chronically ill, the surviving, but once that minor child reaches age, uh, uh, age of majority, it gets switched to the 10-year period. But I want to bring to your attention one of the exceptions that every article that I've read about the death of the stretch seem to have missed that. And, and that is the, the beneficiary who is not more than 10 years younger than the account owner. Everyone seems to be focusing on beneficiaries who are younger, but the regs are clear. It says if you're not more than 10 years younger than the account owner, then you are a, a, a eligible designated beneficiary. That's a new classification that allows beneficiaries to take distributions over their life expectancy. So if you fall into that category, you still get the benefit of the stretch. So it's, it's good for all the beneficiaries now. This is one of those times when it's good to name someone who's older than you are as a beneficiary. But, but even then, though, there's still some limitations because under the old rules, if you were a beneficiary and you were eligible to take distributions over your life expectancy, as I said earlier, if you die before the life expectancy expired, your successor beneficiary gets to continue the remainder of that life expectancy. That is not so under the stretch. Under the stretch, you get switched to a 10-year period. So now there's no more successor beneficiary allowing to continue the stretch that was available to the original beneficiary. And that's what everyone is upset about, rightly so. But I would say to those people, check first to see whether or not you fall into the category of an eligible designated beneficiary, which is those categories that I talked about, spouse beneficiary, um, minor child of the, of the account owner until they reach age 21, a disabled beneficiary, a chronically ill beneficiary, or a beneficiary who is not more than 10 years younger than the retirement account owner. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. That was a lot of information. Thanks for going through the the, the, the stretch <laughs> and, and the changes there because we, we have educated on the stretch over the past, I mean, several years. And then all of a sudden we have this brand new deal um, and there are some caveats to it. So I think that's really good to know. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, where you fall in those caveats. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, another question I've got for you, and this isn't really with the SECURE Act, but it's something I think that is uh, very important to a lot of the clientele that we work with is this thing called a Qualified Charitable Distribution or a QCD. Um, we yeah. have 
we have some clients that utilize those and it, it's, it seems to be a tremendous tax benefit. So can you, exp- mm-hmm. can you explain to our listeners what that is and why they may want to think about, you know, if they are giving uh, charity throughout the year, why they may want to think about doing a QCD? Yeah, it's, it's actually an excellent question and I'm so glad you asked it. Um, primarily because uh, many people sort of tie in the QCD to required minimum distributions, right? But we shouldn't. But here's why people used to tie it into required minimum distributions. You can do a QCD as long as you're at least age 17 and a half on the day that it's done. And so because the required beginning date or required beginning date year for RMDs before the SECURE Act was age 17 and a half, People used to think, oh, you can only do a QCD if you're doing an RMD. That's not the case because now we know, as I said earlier, the RMD age, starting age is now 72 if you reach age 17 and a half after 2019. So for you who, under the CARES Act, which we're going to talk about, hopefully we're going to talk about soon, there's no RMD for this year. But you can still do a QCD even though you don't have an RMD because a QCD is not contingent upon your RMD. What is a QCD, though, and why am I getting so excited about it? Well, typically, when you take a distribution from your retirement account, any pre-tax amount is included in your income, right? So you pay ordinary income tax on the amount. But there are some exceptions to that, and one of the exceptions is if you make a qualified charitable distribution to an eligible charity. You hear me emphasizing eligible charity. It's very important, right? It's not just any charity. So you got to talk to your advisor and make sure that the charity meets the requirement. If the charity meets the requirement, if you're at least age 17 and a half on the day that it's done, and if the amount is paid to the charity, it can be delivered to you and you deliver it to the charity, but it has to be paid to the charity, then guess what? The amount is tax-free. And you can do that for up to $100,000 per year. And if you're married, it's $100,000 for your spouse and $100,000 for you. So for people who are charitably inclined, this is a good way to take money out of your retirement account tax-free and donate the amount to your favorite charity. And that includes churches. A lot of people don't realize that the, the, the um, donations that you make to churches qualify but it's tax-free distribution treatment. Great. Well, that, I mean, we know that we've had the, a few clients do that and uh, it's certainly been something that, that they've been interested in and we try to talk about it as much as possible. So we're glad that you were able to give us those numbers and the details, but you did mention the CARES Act. Now CARES Act mm-hmm. is something that we dealt with this year. It went into place. So can you just give us again, a high level of the CARES Act when it comes to why it's important, what are some things mm-hmm. about it, and how that you know, connects to the IRA's 401k type scenario. Absolutely. So I, I, I mentioned RMDs earlier, the, the mandatory requirement that says you have to take distributions from your account once you reach a certain age. The CARES Act waives that for 2020. So except for defined benefit pension plans, you do not have to take required minimum distributions from your RMDs for 2020 under the CARES Act, right? And if you already took that RMD, you can roll over the amount within 60 days. There are certain rules that you need to think about. And if we have time, we can get into those later. But that's one of the benefits under the CARES Act, no RMDs. Here's another benefit, though. 
there are a lot of people who were laid off or have their income otherwise adversely affected because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And under the CARES Act, if you are one of those individuals, you can take a coronavirus-related distribution from any one of your retirement accounts of up to $100,000 for 2020. That distribution can be taken from January 1st up to December 30th, 2020. And guess what? Typically, when you take a distribution from your retirement account, it has to be included in income for the year of distribution. But the coronavirus-related distribution is an exception to that, and you can spread that income over three years. In addition, 10% early distribution penalty that I talked about earlier does not apply to a coronavirus-related distribution. And if you decide that you want to roll over the amount as opposed to a usual six-day deadline for rolling over that amount, you now have three years to roll over those amounts. So you get three significant tax benefits from coronavirus-related distribution. Great. Now, you mentioned that about taking out up to $100,000 on the IRA and can spread it over three years. Is there a criteria for that? Anything we have to prove? Anybody? What would they have to do to be able to qualify for that? Excellent question. You have to be a qualified individual. That's the IRS's terminology. And so the question becomes, who is a qualified individual? If you were diagnosed with COVID-19 by a CDC test, whether it's you, your spouse, or a household member, or if you, your spouse, or a household member's income was adversely affected as a result of the pandemic, then you are a qualified individual. So, you know, I like to say to, 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 to my friends, if you were generous this, enough this year to take in someone into your home and give them a place to stay and they were affected, but you weren't, then technically because they were affected, you become eligible. So that's one of the times when it pays to be a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, you know, the bottom line is that most people are eligible but don't think that everyone is because there are some people who are not adversely affected, whose income were, were not adversely affected and they were, were not infected by the disease. So you want to make sure that you check. Now, as far as proof, uh, the IRS haven't said yet whether or not they're going to, they are going to ask for proof, but if the funds are coming from a 401k type account or pension, then the employer has a right to say, sign this document confirming that you are in fact eligible before we process that distribution. I want to add one quick note too about those distributions. If it's for if it's from an IRA, you as the IRA owner have control over if and when you want to take the coronavirus related distribution as long as it's done by December 30th. But with a 401k plan or pension plan, many of these are not offering that benefit. So you might go to your employer and say I heard on a radio show or a podcast that I can do this. Can I? And it is possible that they'll tell you no, the regs allow it, but this 401k plan doesn't. And so the question becomes, what do you do in an instance like that? If the plan allows any other type of distribution, you might be able to take that distribution and treat it as a coronavirus-related distribution by applying all the three benefits or one of the three benefits that I talked about earlier. And and just so I'm clear too, uh, Denise, if, if you take that and you use that provision, the 10% penalty is is waived in that scenario. 
absolutely coronavirus-related distributions are not subject to the 10% early distribution penalty. Okay, great. Yeah, so that's good to know for anyone that is having issues that you do get some leeway with what the, the CARES Act brings to the table. So we, we've covered the CARES Act. We've covered some of the the, the important pieces of the SECURE Act. And uh, I think we have a little bit of time left, Denise. What I was wondering is maybe if you could, I know this kind of becomes more of an opinion type of question and you work in the world of facts and IRS publications, but <laughs> what, um you know, looking forward to next year, we've We've been through one heck of a year. We're not done with it yet. The pandemic, coronavirus resurgence, it's still here. It's its very likely around for some time next year as well. You know, does the CARES Act get extended? Do you think RMDs are going to be, you know, waived for next year? Uh, and, you know, for anyone listening, uh, is there anything that you, you have heard about or anything that you've read about that's uh, potentially changing just so that any of our listeners can get somewhat geared up for uh, ending this year and also going into 2021. Yeah, um, if 2020 has, uh, has taught us anything is that these rules are a moving target. So you read an article online, you, you, you listen to a radio show, and you heard some information. Don't assume that that information is going to be correct tomorrow. As I was doing webinars throughout 2020, I would always say to my clients, uh, what I'm telling you today might change tomorrow. And for a while, that's exactly what happened. So right now we have a waiver of required minimum distributions, for example, and coronavirus-related distributions for 2020. Will that get extended to 2021? My opinion is that it would if the, 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 the pandemic continues on the current trend where we have an increasing in, in the number of, of, of people who are affected. Um, so that, that's one thing. Make sure you check on that. Another thing is the, the IRS just announced the plan limits for, for, for 2021. Talk to your advisor about what those limits are and whether or not you're in a position to take advantage of those by making more contributions to your tax-deferred retirement accounts. Um, the IRS just published the final version of the new life expectancy table, the changes are not significant. And we had expected those to go into effect for 2021, but uh, smartly, they changed the effective date to 2022. The lesson here is that retirement rules, yes, it's true, they are complex. And when you think you know something, maybe not. So always talk to your advisor to find out, you know, what's the rule as they are this very minute that I'm speaking with you. Well, very good. Well, here's the thing that I get out of this. Every time I have a conversation with you, Denise, um, this this is where I end up. I'm I'm just glad that you are a uh, resource for us because, you know, keeping up with the rules, it's it's complicated. We know that people work with financial advisors because the financial world is complicated, and being able to keep up with it is is needed, but we ourselves as financial advisors, we need experts um, and you certainly do that for us. And we certainly you. do appreciate um, you coming on to our podcast and answering some of these questions and doing it in such a way that everybody could completely understand. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. You're very welcome. It was my absolute pleasure. All right. You have a good day. You too. Thank you. All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. 
If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.